I um, review a little bit every week just because the information is fairly dense, or at least the teacher's dense. So, um, <coughs> uh, so um, here is the problem that, that we're talking about, that we're dealing with. Um, <coughs> there's at least 30 different documented views of spiritual gifts in the church, and you just go, I mean, really? Uh, you know, I, I probably you took a number of things in the church, there'd be 30 different views, so maybe we feel like we belong to the other things that we disagree about. But um, my own sense was some years ago, spiritual gifts are supposed to be something that's important in your life. You know, it just, you, you read about it, you think about it, and you go, why, why don't we have each child know their spiritual gift by the time they're in eighth grade or ninth grade? You know, as they go through puberty and things start to coalesce, it would save so much confusion, and yet that is not what we've got. Um, it's clear God's intent is to help you discern your own life's direction and to be useful in all kinds of decision-making through life. I mean, I, I, I've known for years that my own gifting is in an arc with exhortation and teaching. And as I began my consulting career in engineering, um, <clears throat> I said to myself, um, I'm way better at, well, I'm way worse at calculating and designing things than I am at convincing city councils or whatever about doing the right thing. And so, understanding my gifting, and your gifting flows through all of your life, not just church stuff. Because all of your life is you being a Christian influencing society and friends and being influenced by each other. And so I started on that path and, and it took off. I mean, it just is like, wow, an engineer who looks at your feet when he talks to you, he's really outgoing. You know, it's like that, that kind of a guy. And, and, um, and I said, wow, you know, it just kind of, it coalesced that, that, that's, that I had made that choice deliberately, and uh, here we are. Um, so, so that's the problem we're addressing, and <clears throat> Paul was addressing a similar problem. That's your wife looking for you through the, yeah. Was addressing a, a similar problem uh, with, the, with the Corinthians, because they were all having this, all this, this big argument about tongues and prophecy and talking over each other and blah, 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 blah. And Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. There is a whole analysis of grace gifts, charisma, and one spirit. There is a whole analysis of ministries, diaconia, and one Jesus. There is a whole analysis I have done, because I'm Paul, the analyzer, of energy, the energizings of the Father, how he works. And the thing you're concerned about, there is another analysis that you can do about the, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, and I've done that for you. And so um, I keep trying different ways of showing how it works. So here's a new one. I've been experimenting with, with uh, fun slides. Oh, wait, don't take a picture yet because, oh no, you can, you can, go ahead, go ahead. Ready, okay. So, so here is your pre-Christian life, and then God steps in and you get born again. Did you love that? I just love that. God steps in and you get born again. And what happens is, is now you have a charisma gift. You have a, an arc in the circle. We'll show that again. Um, and so you begin to walk out in your life. 
and you begin to get a sense of what I should get involved in. Maybe there's an announcement at church. Maybe you run into somebody who says, hey, would you like to, or maybe a teacher says, hey, there's a group going to Islamabad and, and you go and you go, oh, I, I want to do this the rest of my life. You know, so something happens where you start to get drawn in. Maybe you go a little bit of a direction one time and, and then you, you, you go and, and there's stops and starts. And as you're doing that, the energizings of the Father seem to give you a draw and energy towards certain things. Certain things just seem to work out. And, and there's lots of, there may be lots of opposition, but you go, huh. And so, you know, the, like, like the best Christian thing you can do is to go, huh. You know, because that's, that's like, I, I'm not forced to make a decision about this. I just want to pay attention to it. And paying attention to what God might be doing is maybe the best thing you can ever do as a Christian, is just say, I'm going to pay attention to this and see if see if it's God. It might be. I think it is. I'm going to, I'm going to move forward. And, and then coming in from the other side are the, the tools. So, <clears throat> so I'm in a business meeting um, trying to help this community. And um, <clears throat> stop me if I told the story already. But the leader of, the, of this, this big organization, Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, take care of Lake Erie. And um, I'm asking intelligent questions, and they're all bored. And finally, the, the leader says, Andy, you've been, you know, you've been asking us questions for an hour. What do you think we should do? And, and he was an old guy. He'd been a leader there for 35 years. And, and I was like, ah! And immediately, a manifestation of the Spirit occurred, which is a word of knowledge. I suddenly knew something I shouldn't know, but I knew it. I knew it like I'd known it forever. And I said, Erwin, um, when you were a kid, stop it, you swam in Lake Erie. And you're afraid children will never be able to swim in Lake Erie again unless we do something. My job is to do something. And, and he looks at me and he goes, meeting adjourned, let's go to lunch. So we go to lunch, we're sitting there talking congealy, and finally, and this is gonna be on the tape, finally he goes, how the hell did you know that? I mean, just bam, you know, how did you know that? And I, I didn't, you know, you could say, well, God told me, but you never say that. I just said, your heart just seems so tender toward the lake, and I knew you'd grown up here, and it just, it just felt like that's, that's what you were, that, that was important to you. And he says, give me a contract by tomorrow. Or proposal. So I give him this proposal, and it was for, I don't know, 150000 more than I thought I would need because I knew he was hard to work with. And he looks at it. I walk into his office. He looks at it. He crosses it off. He doubles the amount and writes on it, we want you around, gives it to his secretary and said, hire that guy. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. You know, it's like, and all it was was this. It was just this working. And so we then begin to walk in our, and it was part of my spiritual walk. It was, we became great friends. I actually brought in a woman I deeply respected who ran a nonprofit. Uh, she was so good that she was made the next director of it, much to everybody's chagrin. 
Uh, she's still a, a dear friend, and she is making incredible changes. She's changed the whole culture up there, where they now, all of the cities have now joined in, and they now have these beautiful watershed ponds and lakes and hiking trails and parks, and everybody's on board. And it's like that one word began a process that is still going on to this day. And you just go, I love the Holy Spirit. You know, I love this dynamic. God can do more in two minutes than we can do in hours of planning and scheming. And so walking in the Spirit by the Spirit. And you always tell your best stories. You know, you don't tell the one where you say something. They go, no, that's junk, and they move on. Okay, so we never tell those. So anyway, but those are there too. <clears throat> so last week, we zeroed in on charisma gifts. And, and we, we, you can see we, we went gift, gift shopping here. There they are all around the room. Um, <clears throat> and we zeroed in on that. And, and we said that a charisma gift, it, it's, it's inside of you. And it's the lens that you, you see everything. And so one who serves sees everything as a potential opportunity for service. One who exhorts sees everything as an opportunity to encourage. And, you know, one who teaches goes, what's missing? What, you know, and so each one is concerned. We talked about what each one's primary concern is. Um, it's also your motivation in any situation. We talked about a, a waiter uh, uh, slipping and dropping a whole bunch of drinks on the floor. And the one who serves goes straight to the mess. The one who's full of mercy goes straight to the person to make sure that they're okay. The one who gives goes straight back to the kitchen to get more drinks because they need drinks, right? And everybody says, I'm doing the thing that needs doing. And it's true. Three things need doing. The prophet goes, you know, I knew this was going to happen. And everybody, the leader says, get a mop, right? Because we don't actually need a prophet right now. Uh, and so we all can pitch in doing other things <coughs> if we want to. Um, and uh, weird horror movie science fiction we don't switch body parts. So it's also, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a body part. It says the hand can't say to the foot. So he's talking about your, your function in the body. And it, it's who you are all the time in life. You don't stop switch being that. <coughs> in 1 Corinthians 12, or Romans 12, he says your function in the body. It's the thing that you do. Like, like what's your function in your company? Well, I do this. And you can describe it, or hopefully you can so when we think about the ark, <clears throat> we created, from what Peter and Paul said, we created what's called the gift circle. <laughs> and so every single human, when you're born again, you, ha you, you begin to understand your gifting or your ark in the circle. Okay? And so you might say, and, and there are no actual lines. Peter said, that the, that the gifts, the charisma gifts are like the colors of the rainbow. Are there lines in a rainbow? No, there's just perceived shifting from one to the other. And the, the seven gifts of the spirit, like the seven, my wife says, never call them primary colors again. The main colors of the rainbow, um, the seven, they, they, they merge together. And so <laughs> it's like, this one is kind of a combination of those two. This one is a combination of those two, but it's unique. And each of the giftings is that way. So if your gifting is primarily teaching, but your teaching tends to focus on what's right and what's wrong, we would say, well, you probably, because a prophet is all about right and wrong, a teacher is all about true and false. The exhorter is all about 
um, are, you are you fulfilling your purpose or not? Are you, are you doing? Uh, the one who shows mercy says, are you joyful or are you sad? And I, I want to help you be joyful. The one who serves says, do you have, what you, do you have stuff that needs to get done? Is, is, is there stuff that I can help with to, to make your life go smoother? The one giving says, do you have the resources you need? You know, I know a guy who could. I know a guy who could who could help you with that. Well, I'm like, let's you know, hook to you up. You know, that's my. I have an Italian friend who teaches this, and he, he he does that really well. The one leading says, "Is the organization doing what it's supposed to do, or not? Is it efficient and effective, or is it not?" And so each of them looks at life through a different motivation, and so we then can say, "Am I primarily?" You look at yourself and say, am I primarily speaking or am I primarily serving in life? And we tend to know. The other thing we've talked about these is that, is that these match, almost like the Enneagram, these match across a circle. So the mercy and the exhorter both are concerned with someone uh, falling short of the joyful calling on their life. And the mercy does it with their with their presence and the exhorter does it with their words. The teacher and the server both see a practical need that needs to be addressed. The teacher talks about it, the server actually does it. So if you need to move to a different house, this guy would not be as helpful as this guy, okay? They do a lot more talking about it and have to leave early. But anyway, but if you needed someone to teach everybody how to do moving the right way, this guy would be awesome. Okay, the prophet and the giver both see something that's lacking that needs to be changed. The prophet speaks to it. The giver gives and resources it. And the leader looks at all these people and says, somebody get organized. We got to be efficient. And so when you look at that, <coughs> you can ask yourself. Okay, so now here's, I'm going to be tricky here. Who was not here last week when we did the gift shopping? Okay, most of you were not here last week. So what I am going to do is go there and we're going to give everybody a chance to go gift shopping again today, okay? Special sale, um, half price for all these gifts. So half of free is free. <laughs> okay. Um, Okay, so I'm going to ask you three questions and just be thinking about the gifts and look around the room. So speaking would be prophecy, teaching, and exhorting, those three, okay? And, and underneath it, the two identical sheets of paper, which give you all kinds of details about it. So you can read it and go, no, and then you can go on, right? So what I would like you to do is to say, where should I start around the room? What, what seems closest to who I am? So speaking are these three, serving are these three, and leading is right up here. And I'm good. I think I talked enough about them where you get an idea of them. But the prophet is all about, is it right or wrong? The teacher is all about, is it true or false? So it's true or false with an attitude, right? So, so right or wrong, true or false, the exhorter is, are you fulfilling your purpose or not? How can I encourage you to keep going? I love doing that, I love whatever. Mercy is, are you joyful or are you sad? And I wanna help you move toward joy. Serving is, do you have, do, do you have stuff that needs done? 
are you stuck because you just need a truck and a trailer? Giving is do you have the resources or are you lacking resources? Can I bring either resources or connections or uh, a recommendation? What, what do you need to move forward? I can bring that about for you, right? So that's what the one who gives. And the leader just organizes all of it. So think about, your, think about yourself, Andy. Um, let me ask you three questions. Question number one, um, if you were asked by somebody and they say to you, hey, um, I was supposed to give a speech to the Nashville City Council Tuesday night, I know it's Sunday morning, um, and I can't make it, but I, I heard you might be willing to give a speech. There's really no topic, gotta be something that would be interesting to council. The mayor's gonna be there and it's gonna be televised. Would you, would you be okay doing that? Okay, now, now what are you feeling? Do you have to run to the bathroom and throw up now? Is that, you know, is that? Okay, so, so you, you don't think about these, you feel about these. So you ask yourself, I, you know, I could do that. I mean, I, I'd be really nervous. I might, I might not be good, but you know, there's a little excitement in there. There's not a, it, in no place on earth, in no circumstance would I ever do that. Okay, so you're feeling one of those two things. There's, there's no, and if you ask your, your spouse or your best friend, would they support you saying that? You know, would they say, oh yeah, that, yeah. So am I speaking or am I primarily serving? That's the first decision. And again, you're just trying this on. You can make mistakes, you can be wrong. It's okay to be wrong, okay? As you, you learn your gifting by walking in things that make sense to you, and some time out you go, this is exactly who I am. You didn't know it at the beginning, but God did. That's why he has prepared the way for you to walk in. This just kind of gives you a, a head start or maybe a bad detour. Okay, so I'm sorry if it's a bad detour. Okay, so now you know if you're speaking or serving. If it's speaking, second question is, if you think your gift is speaking, and Josh said, hey, do you want to do the sermon next Sunday? Um, would your sermon be about... Man, Otter Creek's a great place to be. Um, we do so many good things and everything. There's this one area that I'm really interested in that I know we could, we could really do better in. That's a real need. And um, I, just, I just wanna point that out to us because it's gonna help round us out as a church. And you're very gentle, you're very kind, not like the bad roaring prophet. You're going to hell if you don't do this. Not that guy. <coughs> okay, if that's the kind of sermon you, so you want to point out something that could be improved, probably your motivation is, is, is prophecy, okay? Not Old Testament prophecy, but New Testament prophecy. If on the other hand, <coughs> you go, man, I, uh, there's this pattern that emerged in scripture. John says that the, that the three kinds of sin are the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. And I noticed the three temptations of Eve were exactly those three things. She even said it was. The three temptations of Jesus were those three things. And Jesus gives us three ways to counter those with fasting, giving, and prayer. It's, I have to teach the church. See, now some of you are going, wait, what? So I have to, see, and if your sermon is that, I have to teach this because it's so cool. Teaching is probably your, your gifting area. If, on the other hand, <coughs> you go, Man, this is my chance to bring a few people who are really shy and really important to this church up on stage 
and, and to get people to clap while they cry and shrink. I'm going to do it, right? And so you go, man, I just, I just want to encourage us about certain people in this church who are doing crazy, amazing things. And, and every week we do something like that at Otter Creek. I want to bring up, it was foster, foster uh, care organization today. And, and uh, people, you go, oh, wait, they're foster parents? Oh, I want to be in their family. <laughs> it's kind of like that. Um, and so if that's the kind of talk you wanted to give, something that's really encouraging, uplifting for individuals or groups or the church, or, or everybody, then probably your motivational gift, the thing that you look through, is, is exhorting or encouraging is another word for that. So if speaking is your gift, it would tend to, to focus on one of these, but we all have an arc in the circle, so it, it could spill over. It could spill over, okay? You don't have an arc that goes from here and jumps to here. I've, people say that, but you can visit you can visit across a circle, but you only live one place, okay? Now, I made up this circle myself, so it's not in Scripture, but every part of it's in Scripture. I don't know if the assembly's in Scripture, but it's worked for about 400 people so far who have, who have I walked through. I walked through a bunch of Lipscomb students, and uh, the president's office pulled it in to teach it to freshmen, so it's like, I'm nervous now, but anyway. We'll keep going. Okay, if speaking isn't your thing, then here is the question I would ask about serving. You're part of a group of servers in a big fancy restaurant. There's a business table of 12 businessmen and wives or husbands, business people, wives or husbands. Come on, Andy, it's the 2022 um, business people with wives or husbands. And um, <clears throat> they're having this big fancy dinner and they've all ordered like, frou-frou drinks with umbrella, umbrella drinks, you know? And the, the drinks are, are late, they're not out there. The people are going, excuse me, and you're standing there, excuse me, yes sir, um, where are our drinks coming? Yeah, let me check, yeah, they're, they're coming. It's, we're real busy, tonight. I'm so sorry. You know, what waiters do is like, it's not my fault, but I take the blame, okay, that's my job. Um, and my tip depends on how well I can deflect the blame and make it all okay. <clears throat> um, and, and all of a sudden, the door opens and a young waiter walks out with a full tray of drink, all the drinks, walking, walking, doesn't see the cord. All the drinks, crash, clatters, alcohol, umbrellas, everything is on the floor. The restaurant goes dead quiet. All the 12 people go look at the thing and you're standing there. Okay, got it? You breathing hard, you going, oh my gosh, okay. Is your first, your first reaction, now nobody's, nobody's hurt, your first reaction is, oh, that poor server, oh, they must feel, and you go straight to the server. Now, as a Christian, you're going to say, I should feel that. No, I, what do you actually feel, okay? Not what you should feel. Okay, you go straight to the server. Or, uh, and, and if that, then your primary motivation, the lens that you saw that through, is one who shows mercy. You... You look around at the one who is most chagrined, most at risk of having a nervous breakdown is that poor waiter, and you go straight to them. Okay, you don't, you see the mess, but yeah, man, man. Um, if your attitude is, we, we need to get them drinks. I mean, they are our customers. They ordered drinks. We I'm going to the kitchen. And we're going to comp these, and you're going to say to them, "We're going to comp all your drinks. I am so sorry. 
um, man, please be patient and I'm going to order some hors d'oeuvres for you. Why? Because your primary motivation is to give into a situation that's a bad situation. What can I give? What can I, what resources can I bring? And you're promising stuff you, you pay for out of your pocket if they don't agree, right? Um, or <coughs> do you go straight to the mess? That is, it's a mess. There's broken glass. There's liquid. People will slip. It shouldn't look like this. I, I, yeah, sorry, you know, move back. You know, you go straight to the mess, okay? Now, if in this situation you go, well, I'd want to do all three of those things. I mean, I would get the, there's a five-person waiter team. I would get the team going. We, we need to clean, we need to do the, 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 I'd start barking orders, then welcome, you're the leader, okay? So you get the job everybody wants, but then hates when they get it. So, <clears throat> so when you think about yourself there, what do you see? Now, I'm going to give you 10 minutes to just walk around, go to the one you think is you, read it, think about it, go to the one on either side because it, it would be the most next one like you, and then sit back down and then we'll have a real brief discussion about what you think. You can come up and ask me questions. Okay, so it's 10.30. At 10.40, we're going to close with some discussion. Ready? Go. If you already know, then you can just sit there and, and relax. By the way, Eric Livingston was here last week and he said, I know who I am. And I was like, good. Is it match your job? He goes, perfectly. <laughs> really? Right. Okay, I'm going to ask you to say that when we get back together. Okay. Okay. There you go. Okay. I need to. So tell me what you were think. What you're feeling. Okay. So I know that mine is serving. Okay. So I'm really confident in that. Yeah. Um. Maybe more with the giving art into it too. Okay. Um. But like my job, job. Yeah. I'm a banker. Uh huh. I make deposits and open accounts. I help people figure out problems and stuff. It's <coughs> like, you know, so it's, 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 it's one of those, I do it because it pays the bills things. Yes, I yeah. get that. Yeah. So let me, let me say two things, because <coughs> that's real common. Yeah. One is, what if you asked God and said, God, how can my serving, giving gift be on display here? How can I use it? I've seen it as a job that pays the bills. What if you see it? as everybody who comes in needs serving and giving and I can find a way to do that or should I get a different job you know but just ask God that because you're in a serving I mean a a worker in a bank yeah. there's nobody I know who does giving and serving together <laughs> like working in a bank so it's just not very I 
guess fulfilling, I guess you could say. Right, yeah. so. I'm trying to find <coughs> a way to, to serve in my, to, to uh -huh. be in my gift. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to be yeah. my job. Okay, next week we're going to hit on that. Okay. <coughs> because now it's, I know my gifting, now my ministry. Now my ministry, what, what do I do with it? And all those parables where Jesus says, if you're faithful in little, I'll give you much. If you're faithful in money, I'll give you spiritual authority. If you're faithful in that which belongs to another, I'll give you your own. You go, okay, I've been faithful 10 years. <laughs> anyway, and another question you always ask is, is there any fear of, of going somewhere else? In other words, do you fear I won't, I won't have the money I need if I try anything else, and I'm, I, I'm, my fear is holding me here. <coughs> and you don't have to say that in front of, of everybody. Over, yeah. Well, you won't start yeah. over because you have experience. Right. Yeah. Um, but as you notice that that's your your gift area, you say, okay, something that has that in it. Yeah. Yeah. I like to be behind the scenes. I don't like yeah. to be. A, uh -huh. I don't like to be the face. Yeah, you know? that's typically someone who speaks, right? Yeah. Is the face? <coughs> yes, you married a face. Yes, you did. <coughs> Hang on, I'm gonna get back. Okay. Questions? Yes, ma'am. I see that hand or that face. Um, typically not, but anybody, anybody who speaks can say some things that are anywhere in speaking, but it's where do I live, right? Can, can I get a, a hotel room in town and go out on the town? Yeah, but you're not going to live in that hotel room, but you can okay. go there. So it's, it's always where do I live comfortably, <clears throat> kind of that sort of feeling. Any other questions that came up? Yes. Say that she's naturally lives on the teaching side, yeah. the speaking side. Sorry, speaking side. Yeah. When when circumstances force you to be in that situation, number three, it's because it's circumstances. Yep. You know, I I would said she's going to naturally go to serving. Yeah. That, but she might live on the other side. But there's when circumstances yeah. force you to serve or speak, <coughs> so a natural spot. You when the tornado hit Nashville, <coughs> exhorter boy went down to North Nashville where my son got the end of his house torn off, hiding in the bathroom while it tears the end of his house off. Um, and I became one who serves, and I was one who serves for a few days. Now, I think I told the story of my leader-based son who had the gym, some of you didn't hear this, but they had just opened a gym, Praxis Gym, you can join. Um, they just opened a gym just at the edge of North Nashville and he, he came running over to see if my, my other son was okay. And he looks around and he goes, Dad, there's nobody helping in North Nashville. I mean, I was over in East Nashville. There's, you know, the police are keeping people away from helping because there are too many. And he goes, this is not right. Now, he's a leader. So he goes, this is not right. And he goes, Dad, I'm the head of the Bartenders Guild in Nashville this year. I'm gonna call all the bartenders and tell them 7.30, meet at the gym, uh, I'm going to get Chick-fil-A to get us food, 
and I'm going to organize teams with chainsaws. We're going to go save North Nashville. We're going to go clean trees out. And he says, would your church like to join the bartenders? <laughs> that is a question you better answer correctly. <laughs> and I said, yes. And I called uh, Otter Creek, and Otter Creek is a wonderful church. For just And so they put the word out. <clears throat> 7.30 the next morning in Praxis Gym, there were 32 bartenders and 27 Church of Christ men who got to know each other, paired up, paired up with chainsaws. My son gave him a, a lecture on safety. And uh, another friend, a prophetic guy, internationally known prophetic guy, was handing out um, uh, things that homeowners can sign saying, I'm, I'm keeping you from liability. And they went out and they cleared blocks and blocks of North Nashville. It was <laughs> so fun. Uh, a, a policewoman came up to me, a, a local one there, lived there, and that was her, her, her beat, I guess. She came up and threw her arms around my shoulder, weeping and crying. I cried even thinking about it. She goes, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. And I said, it is. And my son, the leader boy, <clears throat> said, Dad, that was the best and hardest thing I ever did in my life. He said, best day I've ever had. See, so when something comes that provokes your gifting, you go for it. When something comes that provokes your Christianity, you still go for it. But you go for it as one who's visiting and helping there. You, you're not going to live there the rest of your life. But someone who's serving might go, yeah, I'm forming a nonprofit to help these people build their houses. Okay, and I'm, I'm going to get some guys. We're going to haul junk for the next three months. You know? and, and I would go, man, you should do that. Um, but that wouldn't be where I live. So you, you see that <clears throat> as Christians, we react to everything. But we live someplace. And we live there because we were there long enough to develop excellence in that area. Experience, maturity, an excellent way of doing things. We, our ministry takes us to a particular focus. And we begin to become excellent in that focus with our gifting. Right? If you're really good at math, you could be an accountant, you could be a banker, you could be a lot of things, but your basic gifting is this excellence, amazing ability in math. Right? So, so these gifts are like that generic ability that can now be used in a lot of different places. So when we think about that generic ability, oh, yes, time for a dad joke. So, <clears throat> um, if, uh, so I'm assuming, wait, does anybody else have a question about first? The shy one who's a mercy gifting, do you have a question? That I'll, I'll turn off the recorder if that'll help. No, that's okay. Any other questions? <clears throat> so in your view, how, when arcs, how many of these span? The arc span? Yeah. You're typically, these are just everything I've observed. You're typically a majority in one and you go to one adjacent. And so, <clears throat> but you might say, I'm a person, I do, the, I, do the, I do a lot of this. Sometimes that's just because your personality loves to do a lot of things. But pay attention to the thing where there's this sense of blessing, this sense of purpose, this sense of, of this is a step in something larger. I, you know, that, that sort of a thing. It's like, it's like jobs. You have a bunch of odd jobs, and all of a sudden you get a job and you go, you know, I like this. I think I'm going to go back to school and study that, right? That, that's where you start to get career traction. It's sort of like your Christian career. Okay, now, if you're still stuck, I, I, do, I do have uh, some help for you. 
<coughs> you have to go to Sedona, though. But um, I was teaching this last year, and I was walking down the street, and I went, oh! And my wife said, those aren't spiritual gifts, Andy. That, that's just your, your aura. <coughs> um, and an ATM, which... Um, yeah, so... Okay, I'm just going to intro the next subject. <coughs> so we're going to take a step away from gifts now, and we're going to start looking at ministries. That is, <coughs> your current assignment, where you sense it may or may not be from Jesus, but you, you just go, you know what, I'm going to do this with excellence, even if it's the bake sale. You know, I'm going to do it, whatever it is, I'm going to do it with excellence. Not because people are watching, but because God is watching. And God is the one who says, if you're faithful in little, I'll give you much. If you're faithful when no one sees you, I'll put you in front of people. If you're faithful with money, I'll give you spiritual authority. If you're faithful in something that belongs to someone else, I'll give you your own. Okay, so in, in this ministry, the first thing to understand is Jesus already has a career path planned for you. You are his workmanship, created in Jesus for good works that the Father has prepared beforehand for you to walk in. It's all laid out in God's eyes. God's like, this is a dot-to-dot -dot drawing, child, and all you got to do is find the next number, and you're going you're gonna to get an A+. Okay? You're at number three now, and all you see is a little curve of a line, and you go, this makes no sense. Only because you don't see the rest of the drawing. God sees it, and he knows who you are, and there will be trials and tests, and I'll fail, and there's a big knucklehead factor I figured out built into this whole thing where God says, no problem. Honest mistakes are no problem. Rebellion is a problem for you, right? because you're going to come back around again. You're just going to go around the mountain again, come back. Are you ready for the promised land? Yeah, now you're ready. Okay, cool. You learned the hard lesson. Okay, so, <clears throat> so that's what they look like. So when we remember, uh, and for those of you, this is your first time, Paul used this word, diairesis, <clears throat> and diairesis is a word from Plato, which means a detailed analytical look at something. The father of the prodigal son and the older brothers, the only, he uses this word four times, Paul does, right here. He says, there is a analytical analysis of gifts, analytical analysis of ministries, analytical analysis of manifestation of the spirit, and an analytical analysis of the work of the father. And Paul said, he's geekier than you'd ever want to go to a cocktail party with. And he said, I've done these analyses and we, get to stumble on them in scripture. The analyses are sitting right there in scripture. And when we plug them together, we go, oh my gosh, this is unveiled in a crazy way. So <clears throat> Paul, Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, is Paul's analytical look at how ministries work in the church. And when you look at that, um, at the scripture in there, and you spend some time, I spent, probably I took a, I don't know, three days and just printed it out and started just making circles and, because I tend to see, you know, it's like I see patterns in clouds, you know, I'm that guy, so look out. But 
<coughs> scripture has more patterns in it than you can imagine. It, it's just like if you spend time soaking, you go, whoa, we're, oh, if that, oh, wow. You know, that, that kind of stuff can happen a lot to us. So hidden in those verses are at least five patterns, and I'm going to pop them up now. And they all have to do with finding your role. <clears throat> now, there's a bunch of words right there. And if you're sitting back there and you the sun that got popped up, you'd go, right? It just kind of it just kind of gets hard. So what uh, what I've done to help us get started, and then we're going to stop. But I want to encourage you to go to Ephesians four, is. <clears throat> So take a picture of that one if you want to. Because <clears throat> everything is color-coded. So the yellow are, are a pattern connected to each other. Uh, the uh, red are, are a pattern. You can see measure, measure, measure. The blue, you can see five a list of five things there. You can see unity, unity, maintain the unity, attain the unity. If the church had known this, there would be no 45,000 denominations if they had paid attention to this, but they didn't. Um, there's how the church grows. The secret of church growth is right there. The secret of how churches grow. Not how groups of people grow, but how the body grows, right? I had a, he's <coughs> uh, still a dear friend. He's got a church that I, I asked him, how many do you run on Sunday? And he goes, Ah, 3,000. I said, great. How many are part of the body? And he goes, about 500, maybe 800. Because a lot of people attend church like they attend a football game, like they attend a hockey game, like they attend a band concert. <clears throat> They're attending church. You don't attend church. You're connected to the body. What body are you part of? Who are your connections? And this paragraph tells you exactly how that works and how and what you should focus on if you want to move forward okay so <clears throat> so we're going to look at this next week Ephesians 4 <clears throat> 1 there's a couple of verses we skip 1 through 16 <clears throat> and there's at least five patterns in there that you go whoa I mean when I first when I first saw this, the next thing we did was start a church. <laughs> it's now about 1,500 people. Um, and all the old guys, we, we just stepped out to let the next generation take it. None of us got good jobs. Well, one of them got a terrible job. He's a governor now, so he got the worst job. But anyway. Um, but yeah, okay. So that's what we're going to do next week is we're going to pick up Ephesians 4 and... We're going to talk about any questions okay so we switch gears from charisma gifts the who you are to diconia what you do with who you are okay so you switch from the holy spirit and your charisma gift to jesus the head of the body and you a member of the body and when i say head of the body i don't mean the president I mean the brain. If you're doing a body analogy, only we as Christians have made it into an organization. God still thinks it's an organism. 
And that's a very different way to look at it. Alrighty. Thank you.